and welcome all to the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Taylor Reeves, alongside my other co-host, Jacob Dupree, a.k.a. The Commissioner. And this is episode 61 of season two, Dose. And we are a dynasty-focused podcast with a redraft kick. I always like to kind of put that little spiel in every once in a while. Just keep everyone up to date. Thanks. If this is your first time dropping in, welcome. Jacob, how have you been? It's It's been a hot minute. I mean, it's been a week. That's about all I can say to you. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> it was like, are we going to be able to record this? I was like, <laughs> yes, I think we're going to make it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been that time of doozy. year. Yeah. It's the time of year. It's the end of the year, not only for like the calendar year, but football season. I want to get right into it fantasy football wise. So I was I was listening to the Rich Eisen show earlier today, one of Jansen's Jansen eyes uh, favorite uh, show to listen to. Um, Shout out. Hi, Jansen. It's been a hot minute. Hope you're doing well. Um, And they were talking about the New York Jets. And I'm really looking forward to our preview between them and the Detroit Lions, because there's a legitimate shot that both of these teams can make it into the playoffs. And we were talking about the Lions last year. Let's talk about the Lions piece for a second. Okay. We talked about it last year. Like they were the best Owen six team that I think we've ever seen. <laughs> They're on hard knocks. It was awesome. We're waving the Amon Ross St. Brown plays. Uh, Jamison Williams had a terrific 45 yard touchdown catch this past weekend. So if they're able to get him rolling here in, in December, can you imagine what that team is going to look like next year? I mean, fantasy wise between, Jamal Williams, you have DeAndre Swift, if he's able to stay healthy. Who knows what the quarterback situation is, depending on a certain um, preview from Todd McShay's uh, early draft preview, which, by the way, if you have not been already doing pre-draft review, get on it. It's that time of year that you need to be getting on it because March is right around the corner, and that's when... Mistaken me if I'm wrong here, Commissioner, but that's when we like kind of kick off our thing for the fab for the offseason, correct? I think most of the bylaws. I've been trying to honestly remember what I need to do and I've lost the, where I saved this information at, but I know pretty much it's yep. the second that we open trading up, everyone gets $100 of fab back reloaded and ready to rock just to kind of guess on what's happening with NFL news, kind of with who's going where and just kind of stuff like that. And if you're the individual who's like, I'm just going to take the flashy name that's from the SEC or the Big Ten, that's perfectly fine. But if you're one of those football nerds like myself or Jacob Dupree, then you need to listen to this statement. This is the most important time to be watching football, and here's why. You have the college football playoff. You have the NFL playoffs coming coming on, so you're able to see kind of those back-end players like a Gabe Davis and an Ian McKenzie or Isaiah McKenzie. You know, they came on strong towards the end of the season and they've had terrific seasons thus far this year based on being able to build off what happened last year. And I know sometimes the carryover is kind of 50-50, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to be doing your research. And then not only for the bowl season, which starts this weekend, but you also have the FSC championships, which is that subdivision where you get your players like Sky Moore or Cooper Cup, for instance. And I'll take it even a step further. There's Division Two and there's Division Three. Um, because you're able to find those long-term type of players that you can shelve away. I mean, we were talking about Rashard White, and look at him now. He's coming on strong for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sure. Leonard Fournette's starting to drop. 
you need to do your research because those second and third round picks, while on the surface value, you're thinking, eh, am I really going to get value out of this? But if you understand the how much you're willing to put into it, those can become extremely vital picks that can turn into an Antonio Gibson who's going to be a top 10 uh, running back or a top 12 running back for the first two years that he's there. And he was basically a second or third round pick in most people's drafts. You have Isaiah uh, Isaiah Mitchell, who was completely not drafted. You got Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Elijah Irrelevant. Mitchell, by the way. You're doing great. Sorry, <laughs> Elijah Mitchell. You have Brock Purdy. All of these players that you need to be keeping an, a lookout for. Now, back to my original rabbit hole, the Jets. The New York Jets have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. And you're asking yourself, Taylor, why are you talking about this? I thought it was a very interesting conversation from earlier on the Rich Eisen show, as I said. And so you have Mike White, who is the starter as of right now. You have Zach Wilson, who has been, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, probably a couple of months, honestly, where we're like, is the will starting to sputter where they're like, yeah, this dude is definitely not, not the answer to what we're needing to do. Cause Joe Flacco brought them back against the Cleveland Browns. And you see Mike White completely destroying people and getting the ball into the playmaker's hands. That is your number one job as a quarterback is to either make the plays yourself either with your legs, a.k.a. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, whoever that may be, you know, those top echelon quarterback runners, or you make the plays through the air. And Mike White has been making plays through the air over the last two to three weeks, and it's been terrific. And one of the reasons it's been successful is we had a resurgent of Elijah Moore, of all people. And now they're talking about Garrett Wilson being a potential rookie of the year finalist who would have thought back in November that we'd be talking about Garrett Wilson. Now we've been talking about Garrett Wilson and his potential, but now we're finally starting to see it between him and Chris Olave and those Ohio state Buckeye guys. And so Jacob, my question to you is this, I mean, from a keep trade cut perspective, I mean, how much capital are you putting out there to try to get Garrett Wilson this off season? Because right now, if, if you're a Garrett Wilson owner, I mean, are you already thinking, <laughs> Is this the highest that he can get, or do you see him turning into, I know this may be blasphemous, but do you see him turning into that next group of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase type of player? Mm, So if I'm going to right below it, maybe a Devontae Adams where you're in that five to 10 range your entire career, but not that upper top. As of this exact moment, Garrett Wilson is the seventh ranked wide receiver on keep trade cut. Um, he's valued just behind an early 2023 one. It's difficult because you have to look like for me, I probably question, have to give uh, away two ones, right? At a minimum. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like, like that's where the conversation. Well, you have to ask yourself, would you rather trade have Bijan or Garrett Wilson? You have to Ooh, ask yourself, would yeah. you rather have like, depending on where they land, like Jordan Addison or Garrett Wilson or, yeah. um, you know, Quentin Johnston or, Garrett Wilson. Um, as of this moment, I would hold Garrett Wilson unless I can like get 101 for Bijan. Um, by the way, we're still waiting on him to declare for the draft. So all that aspiration, you're going to have to wait if you still have trading available in your leagues. But I think from a dynasty context, it's just difficult because it all hinges on the quarterback. If you told me Zach Wilson's the quarterback for the majority of the year next year, Garrett Wilson's probably still a top 15 wide receiver, but like he's closer to 
a Drake London, Jamison Williams, Christian Watson, Devonta Smith, like George Pickens-ish area in a dynasty context. Right. I know, obviously, for some of those names, you're going to have to add two in order to get him. But if Zach Wilson's there, he's a mid-wide receiver, too. Still solid. Like, I'd still be kicking the tires. But I don't know how much I'd be willing to overprice or overpay for him. Um, but, like, if you're telling me it's Mike White, Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, like, honestly, anyone else that this team will let throw the football more than, you know, 20 times a game, I think you can make the aggressive trade for him. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to give up two ones for Garrett Wilson. Um, at this moment, at least, I'll say that. Right now, it's like a mid-first and a 2023-2, like an early mid, an early second round pick from 2023. That's kind of, I would pay that just because we we have seen him be great. Like, I don't want to gloss over that. He's been fantastic. And when he gets targeted, whenever he gets the opportunity to make plays, he typically makes them. I mean, once again, we should have seen the writing on the wall way back in the offseason whenever uh, he said, and he subtly, yet not so subtly through shade at Zach Wilson, he said, well, you know, Joe Flacco throws a more wide receiver friendly ball. And so that's kind of, just the conversation that this is, um, it's just Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson's decent, this whole team is really good. If Zach Wilson sucks, like we've seen, they're relying on the entirety of the rest of the team to carry them. Like all he needs, an, like, I mean, we see Mike White, he's been a career backup, come in, throw for 300 plus yards. And this team is looking like they look good. Like they played the bills tough. I don't care that they lost. Like they played them well. Um, but so with the Garrett Wilson, it's just, I don't know if I can give up the price you'd have to pay for him today and probably early in the off season. Um, I think the sweet spot would be the second you hear some New York jet brass, Robert Sala come out and say, Zach Wilson's going to be our starting quarterback for 2023. That's, that's when you make the trade. Yeah. Because that's whenever all of a sudden they're going to remember everything that I just said <clears throat> and go, Oh crap. His hype is out of control. If Zach Wilson's in. So let's dump him for as many picks as I can. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, you're playing a little bit of a, you know, roulette with that. But at the same time, I would venture to say that if Zach Wilson, because it's a win-win if you acquire him, if Zach Wilson plays better, his numbers, the probability says that he should be good. If Zach Wilson plays like crap and they bring in a different quarterback, we've seen what it's like, and he should be a good to great wide receiver for you. So that's the piece of news you're going to wait to see what Zach Wilson is someone confirming he's going to be a 2023 starter, then you sweep the legs and go and make the trade. And then um, with Brees Hall hopefully coming back uh, from injury stronger than before, and then with James Robinson still being in the fold, do you see the like a resurgence of Brees Hall in September and October for 2023? Let's say everything goes well. Do you see that hindering or actually helping Garrett Wilson become that next level of wide receiver? If Brees Hall is there, I I think I believe stats should show you that if the team has a good running presence, the team the defense obviously has to stack the box. The second they stack the box, that's whenever you have one on one coverage on the outside. And if you have that with Garrett Wilson, he's going to win. I would say at least fifty percent of those you know passes. Right. Um. So Brees Hall would I would say help because he can be the stir- the steadying force that kind of keeps the team always in the game. And then whenever they need that big play downfield, because that makes the safety suck up. It makes the linebackers suck up. It makes the uh, corners try to have to play a little bit closer because if they have to come in for run support, 
that's opening the opening the lanes for play action pass downfield. I mean, we saw them do that a couple of times, even with the aforementioned Zach Wilson, where, you know, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, uh, they got downfield. I mean, Corey Davis, they got downfield. And so you need that steady running game to produce lanes for wide receivers to run through. Um, that's why when Zonovan Knight's been success, more successful, the offense has been more successful. So right. long story short, when Brees Hall comes back, it will, I believe, help Garrett Wilson out more than it would hinder. Do you see the Jets going another offensive playmaker, whether it be in the backfield to support Brees Hall, or do you see them trying to look for a wide receiver too to pair with Garrett Wilson in, tw- in the 2023 NFL draft? I mean, I would say they already have. Like if Elijah Moore sticks around, I think that should be their secondary target. Um, right, really develop any, him there. I mean – it's just he's more of a slot slot body anyways, yeah. um, just with how, like, his physical stature. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that would be the second, like, passing weapon that they should really kind of progress and develop and delve into. But, I mean, from the draft, like, I think the Jets, honestly, this feels weird to say out loud, but I think they're pretty set at a lot of positions except for quarterback and probably offensive line. Even though the line's been playing great all year, even with mostly backups, the Jets offensive line has actually been really good. Like, I don't want to hide that. And that's with like going five layers deep at their left tackle because it's just been injury after injury after injury. Um, if I'm a higher up in the Jets, I'm sitting there saying, who can I get with my first round pick and why is it an offensive guard? So, uh, all right, pivoting for a second, uh, I have three punch list items I wanted uh, to go over since I've last last seen you. One, congrats to Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. Or I have the, so much issue with that. I have I know, so many. You know, I know. I, mm. I know. It should have been Duggan uh, based on the story alone. And, but, you know, hey, based I don't know what it story, is. Based yep. off of playing against much better opponents constantly. And the two good opponents that Caleb Williams played, a.k.a. Utah and Notre Dame, guess who didn't have a great game? You can go say his name, Caleb Williams. Yeah, um, no. That's something it's, that hurts it's funny me. Too. It right. hurts me because I'm like, he's playing mostly JV defenders out there while Max Duggan's playing in a much more competitive conference where teams actually can keep up for more than two quarters. Ugh. Right. Soapbox. And it's crazy too, right? Because you have Lincoln Riley, who's the head football coach for the USC Trojans now with Caleb Williams. So congrats to him. This is his third Heisman winner, and he's been a head football coach since 2017. That is insane. He's had three. He's had five. Listen to this. He's had five quarterbacks. Four of them have been Heisman finalists. Three of them have won Heisman trophies. Two of them were number one overall picks, and he may have an NFL MVP in Jalen Hurts this year. That is bonkers. And and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, he was the one that finished number two (laughs) in the Heisman voting to a Joe Burrow who had a ridiculous 2019 season. But that's crazy to think about. And then on the other side for TCU, you have Garrett Riley, who is Lincoln Riley's little brother, (laughs) which he ain't little about it because this team is in the college football playoff and they've had a complete 180 going from five and seven to 12 and oh this year with or sorry 12 and one with Sonny Dykes and company and I mean Garrett Riley's right there next in line to be a head coach and then kind of to pivot here uh to a little bit sadder news RIP and condolences to the uh Mike Leach family and the uh the air raid concept um Mike Mike Leach for me was a really huge inspiration uh, especially for us growing up in high school because it seemed like our offense was very similar to that. And so I always kind of found that, that kind of 
cool, cool to that, especially with him, like that whole pirate vibe. And you have like these crazy schools, uh, whether it be at tech or Washington state. And then the fact that he like was a lawyer and then he became a, <laughs> a football coach and he was like, I'm more into politics, but I'm really good at football. Like it's, it's just really cool. And it's sad to see. And, but also at the same time, just looking at his evolution of his offense and how it's going to live on uh, for generations, whether it be with Cliff Kingsbury now and Tyler Murray, uh, which he, he got injured and we'll talk more about that here in a sec. Then you have Lincoln Riley. And then the last 20 years, in my opinion of OU success was uh, attributed to the air raid offense and how it kind of flourished through the big 12. And then now you're seeing it all across the nation at all different levels and how it was developed. So uh, condolences to the pirate Mike Leach uh, gone way too soon. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, keep trucking on the last item. Uh, and I know this is all kind of OU related, but it's our podcast and I get my 10 minutes of fame. So everyone can just kind of, you know, deal with it. Last one. Uh, how about Baker Mayfield? I, I went to bed. It was 16 to three. I wake up and I'm like, what WTF happened? <laughs> With Baker Mayfield being able to lead a last minute, a minute 45 from the 90, a 98-yard drive with 48 hours notice with Sean McVay against an abysmal underperforming Raiders team, which, in my opinion, I completely missed on and a lot of people missed on in the preseason rankings. But to be able to lead them down and score a touchdown, my, my question to you, Jacob, is, I mean, do you see Baker getting another shot at this, another bite at the apple? Oh, man. Next <clears throat> season? I mean, whether it be, say, a Houston Texans, which I know they're getting ready to draft a quarterback, maybe he could turn into a bridge quarterback. Heck, I'll throw this out there. What about the New York Jets? He'd probably be pretty cheap. So – Kind of like Jansen, I talked about on Tuesday. It's just, it's all dependent on where he is. Like I made the argument of what if Matt Stafford retires and like, you know, the whole crew decides to retire because they made their money and they have more things, better things to do elsewhere, which is highly possible. Um, so like if he's there for me with Baker, I feel like he in the NFL is a very system dependent quarterback. Oh, hundred um, percent. Like hundred percent. So he would have to be in a position to where he can play the style of offense that he did whenever he was at OU and at Texas tech, which was just, Hey, let's throw the ball wherever we want to throw it to. Um, so like if that happens, then sure. I think he could have an opportunity. I don't think the jets would be a good fit. Um, if I was trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to like just randomly spitball a place that I think, could have a possibility for a quarterback change and yet still like kind of have his player type. Like I feel like he could be good with Lafleur and green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers decides to retire Ooh. and Jordan love um, doesn't flash. Like don't get me wrong. Jordan love looked good. I think he, Baker there's, probably potential he may body. there's potential. He may uh, ask for a trade request. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's just for Baker to be successful. He has to be in a place where he can, be put in good situations. He can't make yeah. plays like, honestly, like he used to be mobile, but now he looks more like a Ben Roethlisberger jr. With kind of how both his <clears throat> stature and also how he moves. Um, yeah. But, I've always said that was a, that has been a detriment to him in the NFL is that he tried to ad lib like he did in college and 
not quick enough. He thinks he is, and he's not. Four eight one at a quarterback, while it's relatively somewhat fast, he just doesn't have that quick quick twitch to be able to get away from a four three or a four five guy, whether it be a Micah Parsons or Miles Garrett now coming off the edge, coming to clobber you. Yeah, and so that's where I just kind of feel like he needs to be in a position to where the coaching can really carry him. Right. But I mean, he's shown us enough this year that I think he deserves that opportunity to at least have a chance of it. Right. Yeah. And I think this was Baker's MO. I was talking to my brother about this, um, Seth, about it, about how th- like this was Baker's wheelhouse, you know, <laughs> was released on a Monday. Everyone's counting him out. Is there potential he's actually going to get to play? Is he going to be an embarrassment on national television? He's down 16 to three leading on two fourth quarter drives. No one believes in him, And the fact that he's able to pull it off. I mean, that's, that's the Baker I know and really enjoyed watching at Oklahoma. And even to a lesser extent when he was at Texas tech that first year and just that two time former walk on, I'm like, that's the guy that everyone thought he could be. Now the question is consistency. Can we build off of that? Can we build off not being the knucklehead, you know, headbutting everybody? I appreciate that from time to time. But Baker, if you ever listen to this, which he's probably never going to hear this, but if he does, first and foremost, how you doing? Uh, huge fan. <laughs> Second of all, it gets really hard to defend you when you're headbutting somebody every week. I expect that out of Owen Schmidt from West Virginia and just blood everywhere over, over his face, but not from a franchise quarterback that we're giving potentially $40 million to. We don't need self-induced concussions. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's going to be so much fun to watch them uh, Monday night against Green Bay because it's do or die for them. And we'll kind of dive into that, obviously, uh, in the second half here. Um, yeah, I, I want to go back to the conflict or, or some of the, the beef you got there with the, the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, so do you see two things? Do you see Max Duggan being drafted and then two do you see him kind of going like that brock purdy route do you see him getting elevated if he's able to kind of let's say he does national championship game and even potentially wins a national championship do you see that elevating his stock i mean i feel like it kind of has to i don't necessarily see where he will get drafted unless he is a sixth seventh round pick um I don't know. I, I have a sneaky suspicion that some team is going to pick him higher than he should be, and he's going to have a shot in the offseason. Um, I think the wrong. same thing is going to happen with Stetson Bennett. I love um, Max Duggan as, a, like, kind of how he plays. I don't know if it's going to translate that well, but when push comes to shove, kind of like – like he, I feel like he's kind of Colt, Colt McCoy Jr. to where, like, he doesn't have necessarily the hype like Colt did. He doesn't necessarily have, like, the NFL pro-ready look. Right. But I feel like he just kind of comes out and he just plays the game and he plays the game well. Um, yeah. So that's where some team is going to take a shot on him and he might get a chance one day because of injury. But I mean, I don't know. Honestly, if he just wants to make money as a backup, be take the Blaine Gabbert route. That's the recommended thing to do. Or the Colt McCoy route. Just be in the NFL for 15 years or Chase Daniel, who I still envy because I'm like, that dude's made $45 million and I think he's about <laughs> a whopping like eight starts or something or 17, I think total over his career. Like it's absurd. Um, and then the other question I have is, so do you see Caleb Williams still being that top quarterback in the 2024 draft? Do you see him coming back for 2025? Do you see him potentially sitting out? I mean, what scenario do you see kind of playing out for Caleb? Granted it is still 2022 and we're talking about 
two years, potentially three years away. I mean, There's a lot that can happen right now. Just, it's just, I just have beef with that. He won the Heisman first off because, like, of course you can win the Heisman whenever you basically pull a LeBron James and call your three best friends to come play on your team with you. He but, knew that was going to happen, and it wasn't and his that, three closest friends. It was 22. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. 22 is <laughs> closest friends. Um, I just, like, I think he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. And I do think he has the chance to be a starter-level player in the NFL. And I do think he would be dumb not to come out next year unless he just has a crap season or something. Yeah. Um, and off the top of my dome, I can't think of any other really quarterbacks for 2024 just right now because I've been kind of delving into 2023 because my leagues that I – I'm eliminated from I'm already starting the deep dive into who I'm going to be taking high in the draft, hopefully. Yep. But I think there's definitely a chance. I will be intrigued to see how he responds with missing a couple of his key players that are graduating or going to the NFL, or even the couple of them that are going to transfer out because apparently that's just the fun thing to do these days. Yep. Um, but I mean, I, I still got to say he's probably going to be the top two or three. I just don't think there should be a, Oh, we should tank for Caleb Williams thing because like he's good. I don't want to get that lost, but I don't think he's as good as like Trevor Lawrence or as good as Joe Burrow or even Tua was in college at this juncture. I know he just won a Heisman, but at the same time, like tank for Tua was a thing whenever Tua was a true freshman. Right. No, so that's true. That's kind of where I just want to bring that to the situation. Of course, I might just be salty because I really don't think he should have won the Heisman, but that's just, that's just me. That's just me. It's fine. This may be blasphemy, and I think I've said it before, but I think there's a possibility here that Spencer Rattler sneaks his way back into a potential top pick for 2024 because of the way that he finished, he's finishing out the year. We'll see how he plays in the bowl game. He's got a tough opponent. Um, I can't remember who it is, but I remember, I know it's tough. Uh, <laughs> but if he's able to finish that out strong at nine and four and he's able to improve upon that for next year, look out. Um, because the hype train around him as a freshman was just as, uh, as Caleb, was it as strong as Caleb? Probably not, but it's, it's right there in that same echelon because we were talking about, you know, the giants taking for him last year. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot to download here. So, uh, of course, if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter, um, our Gmail, which we'll give out here at the end of the podcast. And of course, you can always hit us up in the sleeper if you're in uh, the different leagues that we're a part of. Okay, so let's get into uh, the latest draft by Todd McShay. This is off of ESPN Plus. Which, by the way, if you don't have that package, I if you have Disney Plus, you have it. Just buy it. <laughs> yeah, just consolidate it. It's, it's worth it. Don't have three separate payments. Don't be that person. Just consolidate. <laughs> I'm a frugal individual. Consolidate. <laughs> okay, so at number one, he has the Houston Texans taking Bryce Young. Shocker. Uh, how do you feel about that pick? I, 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 we talked about it earlier. Uh, how are you feeling right now about it? I'm kosher with that. Um, yeah. I just feel like when it comes down to this, I, I like Bryce Young. I mean, heck, in Tuesday's episode, I referenced if Bryce Young and like Quentin Johnson go to the Texans at like their first and 12th overall pick or whatever. Right. That could be a super flex combo that will win you dynasty leagues for a decade. And he brings up something in the article, which by the way, I highly encourage everyone to go read this. 
but he brought up my boy, John Mechie the third, potentially returning from leukemia. Stop. Caught 96 balls in 2021. I'm telling you, let's go. That'll be two years ago. Homeboy, I want to see him on the field first. Stop. Jamar Jamar Chase missed his junior year, and so did Micah Parsons. I, I get it. That was the defensive player. That's the only person I'll mention on this Jamar podcast Chase about but is a generational talent. John Mechie was mediocre at best. 96 balls? Blasphemy. I'm I'm nope. Jacob has left the chat. <laughs> At number four, the Detroit Lions select CJ Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. Oh, look, another quarterback wide receiver reunion with Jamison Williams. They did play together, but because of that wide receiver room, which is preposterous and huge, whether it be Chris Olave, you got Garrett Wilson. They also had Jackson Smith, uh, uh, Jigba. And then you also had this little freshman by the n- name of, oh yeah, that's right. Marvin Harrison Jr. Who just got voted uh, unanimous first team All-American, which has never been done at Ohio State as a wide receiver. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a bit thick there, but that one's kind of a shocker for me because I feel like Jared Goff is pay- playing his way into being the starter for 2023. Um Sorry I think about the angry dogs, more. by the way. <laughs> no, I think I, I, it, it's probably because I brought up Ohio State. It's okay. Probably. The fact that they, they want to draft C.J. Stroud, I think it's the right pick, but at the same time, I feel bad for Jared Goff, and I don't know why right now. Maybe it's just because I'm pulling for him, hoping to make make the playoffs this year. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, so once again, like I'll reference Jansen and I's episode on Tuesday. Go back and listen to it because it's a good one. Um, but like – if you, we talked about it or I dreamed of it, I don't know. But anyways, like Jared Goff could be playing himself into just a starting role right. because this team is looking good with him. And it's not like it's just the team carrying him or the talent carrying him. He's made good passes. And since TJ Hawkinson was traded and DJ DeAndre Swift has been injured, I would say with lesser options around him. Um, this team is building something well. And while I think CJ Stroud, like I'm not going to be mad if they take him, like, don't get me wrong. Like I would think that would probably be, a higher upside swing, but I also look at this team in the situation. I'm like, you could probably like, if they're looking at maybe making playoffs, they sneak into the playoffs. Then all of a sudden your conversation changed from Jared Goff being a limitation to, we got to strengthen our defense. So that way Jared Goff can keep a lead with more ease. Um, I mean, I know it's the difficult question of once you're in that situation to draft a potential, you know, top two, top three quarterback um, with whatever draft class, it's difficult because you obviously never want to be there, but it means if you're winning, you're not going to be there. Um, so they're going to take a long look at that. But I mean, I mean, I just, I think Jared Goff's played himself into a possible starting role. Like he's making it very difficult for the Lions to potentially pull the trigger with their top five pick on a quarterback. But I mean, I don't hate it. I think it'd be very, it'd be a good time to see. I just would be interested to see how the offense changes with a different type of quarterback. And then at number five, Todd has the Philadelphia Eagles via the New, uh, New Orleans Saints selecting Bijan Robinson, running mm-hmm. back from Texas. The creme de la creme of this draft, in my opinion. Um, and most definitely, if he's not number one, but probably top three in your rookie draft rankings. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at Bijan Robinson, do yourself a favor, pause the podcast right now, go look up some YouTube highlights and then come back and listen to the rest and rest of this. I, I confirm that go pause, come right back and we'll give you a second. Yep. 
And welcome back. How was it? You're excited. You're electrified. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Trade talks can begin. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, Miles Sanders has had a resurgent year. You called it. Congrats on that. My hey. question to you is, I mean, do you see this becoming like a dynamic duo or even triple option between him, Jalen? I mean, that's a powerful backfield if you have the three of them. Or do you see Miles Sanders saying, hey, it's been a great run. I'm going to go on the free agent market and go probably to the AFC West, whether it be the Chiefs or the Chargers and become a number one running back there and make uh, a buttload of money. I mean, I I don't think Miles Sanders is going to be back in a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, like especially if they make this draft decision. He's already walked in free agency and like they they're telegraphing what they're going to do. Um, so like even so like just Miles Sanders, different team, fantastic, awesome. Would love him to be on a team that features him, even as a pass catcher, because he can do it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean this would be great. I think that he would just solidify himself even further as the one on one, and I think. Even in super flex leagues, you would have to heavily consider him at 101 because of just the type of talent that he is. Um, so it, it'll it'll make it fun depending on where like the main the top three guys go, top four guys, like honestly just top three, we'll be real. Like where Bryce Young, where CJ Stroud, and where Bijan Robinson go, that's going to pretty much determine the one, two, three in most of your fantasy leagues in your super flex and two quarterback. Single quarterback. Bijan's one on one. I don't. I don't even give a dang. Yeah, and the next two picks will go on this one rapid fire. But I do not like either of them where they're getting drafted. You got Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky, being drafted by the Falcons. Then you have the Panthers at eleven taking Anthony Richardson out of out of Florida. Gross and gross. I really don't like either of these picks. Of course, it's super early. I mean, the draft is in late April. Nope. I mean, if if you're the Falcons, who are you taking there? I mean, I would not touch either of them with the I would rather pole. take anything else besides the, yeah on it like take another skill player well, before I, you draft these two for sure I am biased against Will Blavis I mean just because of what I've seen but even Anthony Richardson I might have more of a bias against because I just feel like he's Trey Lance all the potential all the hype oh my god look except he actually has you know D1 college experience against actual defenses Yes, um, the classic physical trait guys. Great size, both great of these speed. guys. Yeah, and guess what? Josh <laughs> Allen was one out of like forty. That's worked out. Yep. Because remember they said the same Cam thing about like Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> Even Cam Newton though played in yep. Auburn and he looked good playing against SEC defenses. Yep. Like Will Levis, yes, he's looked okay for you know the past couple of years. Like he has the so size gross. and the stature. But my thing is, if he can't read a defense, I don't care how fast he can run. Same thing with Anthony Richardson. At least I've seen him make cover, make you know, throws in decent coverage. But just I don't. I'm not. No, I don't. No, I can't even. I'm out. Good. Walking away. Done. Done with it. All righty, we're gonna go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna break down Week 15 of the NFL schedule. The playoffs have started for some, and the lose-offs have started for others. Best of luck to you all. And right. welcome. So, sorry, I hopped. I'm hopped because I'm excited because we're going to do three minutes to finish off this Todd McShay first round draft on the other viable players, Taylor, not okay. defense. Okay. Got it. Got it. There's three minutes because we have on our le- Patreon that we'll set up at some point. A legitimate full slate of 16 games because there are no more bye weeks. All right, Taylor, you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Timer started. 
So we have Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, uh, slotted to be picked to the Houston Texans. I, I like that pick. I think it'd be great and Hate it. great with, with the Lovey Smith offense. Hate it. <clears throat> if it was Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison, love it, but it's not. So I hate it. If if Quentin Johnston uh, goes to Jacksonville, I mean, this is a classic Doug Peterson loving TCU fast wide receivers, and it's a great pick. I, I mean, if they're able to get that, that offense is going to be fire next year. He would be the 102 in non like non two quarterback leagues, which is super flex and obviously two quarterback leagues, just because of the possibility of being a Doug Peterson alpha wide receiver with a quarterback who can throw the ball. Sign me up. And then the next two here, we have the New York Giants selecting Jordan Addison out of USC, and then the Tennessee Titans selecting uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. With the Giants, I love this pick here, and I could see this pick, this pick, this pick. Yeah. Do you have my money? <laughs> Anyways, uh, off track. Squirrel. I could see this pick with Jordan Addison being flipped with the Jaguars, depending on what, what happens at the at the combine, in my opinion, even though they have very similar body types already at Jacksonville with Christian Kirk and other characters there. Uh, Zay Jones, for instance. But I love this pick. Fitting inside of a Brian Dayball offense could be, become a legitimate uh, wide receiver one as a rookie. I mean, I, th- I think I would enjoy it because that team is thirsty for options on the outside. And I, th- I think that Quentin Johnston will be the first receiver taken because of his size alone. Like he's 6'4", 205. Um, Jordan Addison's a little bit smaller, but still a good prospect in rookie drafts. He's probably still going to be anywhere between the 103 to 106. Just kind of depends on where the running backs of this class land. But I don't I don't hate it. I could get, I can get behind that. And then at 22, Jackson Smith, uh, Jigba. I mean, we've hey. talked about him. At, at nauseum when healthy he is a very dangerous player uh to watch and very dangerous from a fantasy standpoint in a good way great talent but in that spot i'm good i, I think honestly it's going to depend on who's pulling the trigger i mean trail on burks has been good but that offense is set up for one huge superstar type of player whether it be him or an aj brown and i don't i don't see that offense having space for another wide receiver as long as Derrick Henry and Mike Vrabel is the head coach. 20 seconds. <laughs> the next two players, we have Jameer Gibbs, Denver Broncos. Great pick because they're going to need running backs. I hate and, it because they don't need to take them in the first round. <laughs> true. Minnesota Vikings, Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Boston College. Honestly, I don't know Ooh. enough about him. Need to do some work on him. I'm all right with that. He's a shifty little slot guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm all right with it. Three minutes. Done. Done. Moving on. Next game. <laughs> Okay, so we have Thursday night football kicking off when hopefully you're listening to this right before the game. We have pulling it up, crap. San Francisco versus Seattle. Yes, huge pivotal game. This is for the divisional matchup, in my opinion. You start everyone on both sides. Fair Pretty enough. Much. You do have concerns about Geno Smith and kind of that offense. Like, I would still stay away from Ken Walker if you can. I would yep. play the pass catchers like Geno Smith, um, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Those are about the three Seahawks I'm willing to start in San Francisco. I mean, honestly, I don't hate Brock Purdy this week. Um, question, would you rather have Brock Purdy over Geno Smith just because of the defense that, you know, is the Ooh. San Francisco 49ers? Oh, man, that's tough. 
No, I'm going to stick with Gino. I've picked against him too many times this year. I'm sticking with him, even though I've loved the Brock Purdy story. And of course, I love I love me some Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan offense. This feels weird to say out loud because I have to start Geno Smith against Brock Purdy in a league, I think. I'd rather have Brock Purdy. Carrying on. <laughs> on with the chlorophyll. All right, the next game we have up. Ooh, Saturday games. Ooh, I like this. Okay, so Saturday at noon. I did not know this. I know. We'll have a fantasy football podcast and Taylor didn't one of the co-hosts didn't know that there was games on Saturday. It's that time of year in December when you have NFL game, a full NFL game slate on the weekend. Uh, you have the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Indianapolis Colts for the Vikings. You start everybody. And then for the Colts, you start Jonathan Taylor and maybe a Michael Pittman. I, I agree with that statement. Um, Adam Thielen's a decent flex. Um, this being the first week of playoffs, I would be slightly concerned about Dalvin Cook. Not enough to not play him, but I would definitely lower expectations. Um, I feel like this is going to be a strangely competitive game, though. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this game is kind of a little bit more thorough because I think the right. Colts are a little embarrassed about how they've been playing. And if there is an individual to know anything about Dalvin Cook and fantasy football I, playoffs, it would be you. It would be me. I still appreciate him <laughs> carrying me to victory and beating Austin Hicks by a point zero eight after getting every single. Uh, I, I'm pausing the podcast for this. I needed him to get. I think it was two receptions and every single remaining yard and a touchdown in order for me to beat my nemesis Austin Hicks. Well, guess what happened? Literally from, I think he got every single yard from the 43 on because it was one catch for four yards, one catch for, I believe, like 36 yards, and then he had a rushing touchdown that made it to the two, or made a two-yard rushing touchdown as the ending of the game happened whenever it was a blowout loss for the Vikings. I was a very happy camper. Anyways, moving. I on. think I think you need to get that tattooed. So oh, I still have the score screenshotted in my phone. <laughs> Periodically, yeah. I'll send it to him. Like, hey, just so you know, this happened. Uh, the next game here, um, it's gonna be fun to watch, in my opinion. You have the Ravens taking on the Cleveland Browns. From the very least, you have Tyler Huntley taking on Deshaun Watson. Maybe. Deshaun Watson looked like complete garbage last week. Uh, for the Browns, I mean, y- you got to start him. You got to basically start everybody uh, for the Browns. I think Donovan People Jones can be a, a good flex option. David Njoku uh, is coming back on strong again. He had 18 points uh, in the Empire League uh, last week. He had seven catches for 59 yards, and he also had a touchdown. So, very good player. And then for the Ravens, I mean, you start everybody, and um, maybe except for the running backs, Tyler Huntley. <laughs> In my in my opinion, and I think you would agree with this, Mark Andrews like efficiency actually took a tick up when he took over last year. So if you're a Mark Andrews owner, you should be licking your chops, especially going into the playoffs. If you have them going, all right, I got my guy back. He's going to probably have eight to 11 catches. I mean, you'd say that, but the past three weeks has been anything but. Um, you know, that expected uptick with Mark Andrews, but we'll find out what happens. Um, Honestly, with Baltimore, I'm okay with playing J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Cleveland's not really good against the run, and last season he came or last week he came out and looked healthy. Um, I'd start him as a back end running back too, but a high end flex option um, from Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna start a receiver, like uh, I think Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones are fine. Obviously, you have different expectations, and yeah, David Njoku is probably a top five tight end. He's just good. That's why I picked him up everywhere in the offseason. <laughs> 
And then the Saturday night ca- uh, capper, we have the AFC East showdown between your Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. Jacob, what are the Finns going to do to get out of this rut? Cry, shake their heads, <laughs> and wear a parka when they go up to Buffalo. Um, in, in Orchard Park? Yeah. <laughs> Sub-frigid temperatures. I'm going to look up the temp. Go for it. Or I think it's talk. supposed to snow like 20-something inches. But anyways... Um, I'm, you're still starting to, uh, you're still starting Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. Um, honestly, that's the end because the Buffalo's rush defense has been supreme, even though if it's snowing, the thing about it is as long as it's just like snowing, it's not a blizzard. Every offensive option is going to be okay. I know it's supposed to snow pretty heavily. 71% um, the high is freezing. Yeah, that's fine. That's not that bad. Um, obviously you're still starting Josh <laughs> Allen, Stefan Diggs. um, but honestly, I don't want to play anybody else from the Buffalo Bills. It's kind of weird with the high-octane offenses with, like, the Bills and with the Chiefs. Typically, you're happy if you start two people and two people only, and that's the quarterback and whoever the top pass catcher is. And in Kansas City's case, that's usually Travis Kelsey. But, yeah, no, I mean, I just feel like you have to temper expectations. You can start Devin Singletary as a low-end flex if you're just thirsty, but I would try to avoid that. So according to the weather channel at Orchard Park, New York, there is a chance of three to five inches of snow in the evening with an 80% chance of snow, low around 25 degrees with winds of 10 to 15 miles per hour. So there you yeah, go. That's not bad. That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. You sound like the uh you sound, you sound like the captain from Wolf of Wall Street on the yacht when they're wanting to go <laughs> to um is it Iceland? I, I can't remember, but he's just like, or Captain Dan, he's just like, this is a little chop, a little chop, no biggie. And then they, right. then they sink the yacht. Maybe. It's going to be fine. It's a little snow. It's a little snow. Right. There's a chance of snow. It'll be all right. That's how I feel. <laughs> all right. So we start the Sunday slate of games. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> taking on the Carolina Panthers. If you have NFL Sunday ticket or some type of stream, I think you should mark this on your calendars. I think it'll be a fun matchup. You have Kenny Pickett taking on Sam Darnold. If you're out of the playoffs and you're just kind of looking for prospects or just overall looking for prospects, you may want to take a shot on putting Sam Darnold on your bench for next year in Dynasty Leagues, in my opinion. he He's had a little bit of a resurgence here. Um, so keep a lookout for that. I think for the Panthers, you start Darnold, you start Foreman, you start DJ Moore. And then for the Steelers, you start uh, essentially everybody. I, I would be concerned about starting Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, if there's an injury to your second quarterback, throw him in there. Uh, and then at running back, of course, you start Najee and then Deontay Johnson. I mean, honestly, the only person I'm excited to play this game is probably DJ or not DJ Deontay Foreman. I would rather stay away from just about everybody else because Sam Darnold has looked better than all the predecessors from this year. Yes, but I still don't trust him. Pittsburgh still has a good defense. Um, Kenny Pickett, we're just hoping he clears concussion protocol. I mean, it might be Mason Rudolph or they just signed somebody else. I forgot. Or it's either going to be Mason or Mitch Trubisky, probably, if he sticks to concussion protocol. Right. Um, Najee, I mean, like, yeah, he scored last week. But once again, like he had 33 rushing yards against Baltimore, who had been allowing more rushing yards than that per game. So, I mean, it's a real shaky start. Um, I just, the only person I like want in my lineup is Deonta Foreman. Other than that, everyone else to me is a flex slash two quarterback leagues, like desperate quarterback flex. 
And then the next game we have on our docket, we have the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Bears. Oh, that's going to be a gross game. You start all your Eagles, and then it's uh, Justin Fields and maybe Deontay, uh, or sorry, David Montgomery. Yeah, you're hoping your Eagles score pretty quick because I feel like this game is going to get ugly real fast, and then all of a sudden everyone's going to get pulled. And like we've reached that point in the season where the great teams, aka like Philadelphia, Kansas City, and play like teams like that, after they wrap up their playoff seed, what incentive do they have to play their stars? They're really the guys dumb. that they're going to need in the playoffs. The guys they're going to be making the Super Bowl runs with. So, like, don't read too much into it. You're still going to start them every single week that they're going to play. But it, for instance, if they win, I believe it's this game. I believe they clinch the number one seed in the NFC, no matter what. Um, I don't know what what's Dallas's record. Do you remember off the top of your head? I think they're like nine and three. Uh, so if or ten and three, something like that. I think I think they're like ten and four. I don't know. Look look it up real quick because that has an implication. Ten and three. Say. Ten and three. Are they? Yeah. Yes, they are. Um. So I mean, like, if Philadelphia wins this game and Dallas loses, I think they clinch the first seed no matter what happens. So going into next week, you might see their starters play like a quarter or a half. Um, because they have no reason to risk injury with any of their valid players they're going to need through the playoffs. So I say all that just to say, hopefully that doesn't happen and hopefully they stay in competitive games. Um, but yes, and then also from Chicago, Justin Fields, and even that I don't want to, and Dave Montgomery, and even that I don't want to. Like they're, like I said, low end flexes and super flex. And then real quick on this, uh, 20 seconds, Dallas Goddard potentially coming off of IR. If you're in the fantasy playoffs, do you start him? Because I saw that as a question earlier. I believe it was on ESPN or NFL.com, and I was like, ooh, we definitely need to talk about this. Oh, sorry. Yawn jumped me. Oh, I'm all right. Um, Snap out of it. Let's go. <laughs> um, Get it together. <laughs> I, I have to see it first from Dallas Goddard. And if you had him on your roster, you've been surviving with something else each week since. Survive one more week, see what happens, and then reevaluate going into week 16. Okay. I like that. All right. Same same scenario uh, as the previous game with the Eagles and the Bears. We got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Houston Texans. Now, the Houston Texans will probably put up a pretty good fight, but still at the same time, it's the Chiefs. You start everyone for the Chiefs and the Texans. I don't really know who you start. Maybe Nico Collins. Nobody. <laughs> Unless you're taking, in which case, these guys are all like top of the line to play. <laughs> Amari Rogers is my dude. <laughs> um, yeah, from the Chiefs, it's just Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I'm feeling more comfortable with Juju Smith-Schuster as like a bona fide mid wide receiver too. Um, the running backs, I would rather play Pacheco because this game feels like it should be over with quickly, so he'll be getting a lot of run. And from the Texans, just don't play anybody. Unless you're tanking, in which case this is your 101 team right here. Um, just Yeah, just do yourself a favor and don't. Next game, ooh, this will be good. You have the Cowboys traveling down to take on the Jaguars for the Cowboys. You're starting everyone. You're starting Dak. You're starting Tony. You're starting Zeke. You're starting CD Lamb. You're starting uh, Michael Gallup. You're starting a Dalton Schultz. And then for the Jaguars, same same story. We're starting everybody. Yeah, this is going to be one of the more offensive happy games. Um, depends on what the weather looks like. I think there's a chance of rain for this game. 
Um, I'm check. I'm gonna check. I mean, I'm gonna go to the, the weather I, channel while you keep talking. Uh, regardless, unless it's an absolute downpour or winds of over like 30 miles an hour, you're gonna play everybody and be happy. I would be concerned about the Jacksonville like rushing offense, like Travis Etienne. I would be mucho concerned. Um, and this wide receiving core from Jacksonville is kind of coming into a, you know, you you want to start them all as wide receiver threes and just hope that it's your guy that hits. I mean, because they've all kind of oscillated between Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and even Marvin Jones here and there. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, it should be an, in- a, an interesting game to watch, to borrow your word. 15% chance of rain. I think it'll be fine, yeah. Just put everybody in your lineup and see what happens. Next, we have the Atlanta Falcons taking on the New Orleans Saints. Um, I think, you know, you start Andy Dalton if you need that flex quarterback, quarterback two, low in, low in, quarterback two. I'm excited to watch Desmond Ritter to see what he's capable of. But other than that, like, I'm not really too excited for anyone other than that. Maybe, you know, well, of course, Chris Olave, um, Alvin Kamara, even to a lesser extent. Yeah, and that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, um, I I feel like this is going to be another knockdown drag out fight. I don't want to play Desmond Ritter. I, no, just resounding no. I almost would rather see Will Levis than Devin so, Ritter. Sorry, <laughs> let me let me rephrase that. I'm excited to watch him play to see about for a potential trade or pickup, not start him in your playoffs. Absolutely not. Unless you're legally tanking, then he is number one. He probably would be up there. Um, yeah, from Atlanta, there's no one that I feel that I want to play. Honestly, like yeah. nobody. Just because with a new quarterback in, I don't want to predict it or predict where it's going to go. I would say it probably would lean more towards the running backs to get more attempts just because you want to try to protect the young blood at quarterback. They were so disappointing this year. But I would rather not in my first week of fantasy playoffs. Um, From New Orleans, Andy Dalton, I like as a quarterback too. Um, Chris Lave, solid mid wide receiver too. Uh, Alvin Kamara, it's going to feel weird. But yes, play him as a mid running back too. Um, I think that's about it from this game. Everyone else is a flex at best for me. So I was talking about Drake London, like while him and Kyle Pitts have a high ceiling, it's I, I just think the the Lord, the, not the leash, the oh. uh, the rope is is short and thin uh, for those two superstars, in my opinion, with the way that this team is currently built thoughts. I, I, I don't know. I just the Falcons are taking weird steps. But I think they're in the right direction. It's just going to take a little bit of time for everything to gel and kind of remesh. Okay. Next game, in my opinion, I think this is one of the games of the week, if not the game of the week. You have the Detroit Lions, six and seven, taking on the New York Jets, seven and six. And we talked about uh, these players a little bit earlier this evening. Both teams fighting for the playoffs. You have Mike White hopefully being able to play against Jared Goff. And the surging Detroit Lions, uh, I think for both teams, you start everybody. I definitely think this is going to be an offensive showdown for the uh, Jets. <laughs> so kind of bringing it back home to, like, the Jets have a really good defense. That's the thing about this game, and I feel like that's the edge for this game. Like, if Mike White plays, I think the Jets should win. Um, but I'm not going to put it past Jared Goff in the Detroit Lions offense to kind of just surprise us and do something um, but I would lower expectations for your Lions just because the Jets are that good on defense. But when it comes to the Jets, yeah, like Garrett Wilson, he's in there if Mike White plays. Zonovan Knight even. I think he's a solid play. 
Um, but that kind of is end of line. I mean, Tyler Conklin's a desperate flex if you absolutely need it. Or desperate tight end, not flex. Don't put him in your flex. Don't do that to yourself. The next matchup we have, I covered this because it's our job and hobby. But other than that, I'm. it's very unappetizing. We have the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I, I McCoy mean, versus Brett Rippon, right? <laughs> probably. Probably so. Honestly, I think they're going to shut down Russ for the rest of the season. And and what a disappointment it is. I mean, I, I had put out a hot take of him being a dark horse for the MVP, and that entire team has been atrocious. I think uh, Nathaniel Hackett is done at the end of the season uh, on Black Monday, as they call it. I, I think he's done. You can start, I think, for the Cardinals, you start – uh, you know, you start Colt McCoy, you start, uh, if you're wanting to tank and potentially like a very, very low end QB two. you start James Connor because of his touchdown potential. Same with Deandre Hopkins. Cause he has proven over the years that he can get yardage, even though he may not have the top quarterback throwing him the ball, not saying that Colt's bad Colt will get him the ball. The <laughs> only player I want to play is Deandre Hopkins is nuts as a mid wide receiver too. Yep. Um, if Russell plays, strangely enough, I'd be okay with playing him. I mean, he showed good signs of life last week. Like, we can't ignore the fact that he threw for three touchdowns and what was like 294 and had like 40 or 50 rushing yards. Can't deny that. And I mean, he's up to three. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's up to 11 touchdowns now for the season. I mean, it's still, I mean, but still, three in one game, it's yeah, something to take a note of. I'm not saying he's great. I'm just saying that he's an upside swing. Um, but yeah, I mean, this game will be messy if he doesn't play. Next game, we have the New England Patriots taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, my question is, is how is the Raiders going to crap the bed after being up 17 points? Because this <laughs> New England Patriots experiment of an offense is anemic and on life support. And I, I think they're they going 30 points last week. Wink, wink. <laughs> Still. I mean, overall. Um... It's anemic. The players to have expectations for is Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. I think you toned them down a bit just because New England's defense is good. And um, he's got Josh McDaniel's number, yeah. I just don't know if I want to play any Patriots outside of maybe Ramondre Stevenson. I know it's the, the freaking Raiders, but like Ramondre and Jacoby Myers, if you're thirsty, and that's end of list from players in non-superflex leagues. Like we said before, if you're in a superflex or two quarterback, if you got a quarterback with a pulse, you're putting them in just playing the matchups next matchup we have the tennessee titans taking on the los angeles chargers both vying for playoff positioning uh for the titans you're starting Tannehill, you're starting derrick henry um you're probably starting Traylon burks and then for the chargers usual suspects you got justin herbert you got austin eckler you got keenan allen you got mike williams and then you have gus everett um at tight end. sorry gerald <laughs> i don't know i call him gus um, Gerald Everett at tight end. Once again, like to have expect players to have expectation for, I'd expect Derrick Henry to have a good game. I would expect Traylon Burks, if he plays, to uh, catch a deep pass, but he didn't practice on Wednesday and that doesn't bode well. Um, so if Traylon doesn't play, I just want to play Derrick Henry from this team and that's it. From the Chargers, like you said, it's, it's everybody up in this club and that includes Josh Palmer. I mean, he's going to be a decent flex option if you need him. I mean, Deep teams, deep leagues, you need deep guys like this. And Josh Palmer is a rising star to watch for 2023 as well. 
Okay, the next matchup we have, and we have three matchups to cover in roughly, it looks like <laughs> six fine. minutes, so we got this. Cincinnati Bengals, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the beginning of the season. This looked like a great matchup. I don't know if I'm as excited as I was at the beginning of the season, but so be it. The Bengals, you start everybody for the Bucks. You're starting Brady. You're starting Rashad White. Maybe Leonard Fournette at a flex position. And then Chris Godwin, you're starting him in Mike Evans in a flex position. I, I mean, yeah, you can start Tom Brady if you want. In single quarterback leagues, you can do much better, I promise you. Um, I don't want to spend time with the Bengals just because, I mean, if you have a Bengal player, you're going to play them. And that, you know, even Hayden Hurst could be a thirsty tight end if you needed him. That is um, true. From the Buccaneers, the only players I have hope for is Chris Godwins, Mike Evans, and Rashad White. Other than that, no thank you. I'm good. Um, I'll take my chance with the the players that are going to be needed when they're down by a lot because I think since he's going to win by 14 points. The next game, we have the New York Giants playing the Washington Commanders for the Sunday night football game. You're starting all your Giants and you're starting all your Commanders. Uh, temper expectations for Saquon because Washington has a good front. I know last time they played, he had a good game, 18 for 63 and a touchdown and five receptions. But Washington still has a good defense. Uh, Darius Slayton, I think, is a good like deep flex option once again. I think he can catch a long pass, kind of like he did against Washington. Plus, it looks like he's kind of their go-to guy, if you will, um, just kind of with the lack of skill around him. Especially um, if Richie James doesn't play. Yeah. Uh, from Washington – it hurts, but I mean, there's not no one I'm stoked for. Like, I'd play Terry McLaurin and be okay with it. I'd play Brian Robinson and be okay with it. Um, but other than that, I think you can do better. Okay. Okay. And then the last game, uh, while the records don't show it, I think it's going to be a really fun Monday night football game. You have the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. Probably going to be snowing, very cold. You have Baker Mayfit and a bunch of misfits, pun intended. You got Cam Akers coming on strong here towards the end. Skronik, uh, you know, let's see if he can still find some magic here. Same thing with the uh, Packers. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers, of course. You have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and then, C I mean, even Christian Watson has come on strong. Alan Lazar, him and Christian Watson are deep flex picks, but still manageable. And then Tyler Higby and Robert Tunyon are serviceable tight ends. Let's be real. If you have a competing roster, you're in the playoffs, you're not touching the Rams, um, including Baker Mayfield. Uh, yes, he looked really I, I good. Agree. I agree with that statement. But I, I got to see it again. Um, you're wanting to tank. He's, he's QB1, which I'm <laughs> wink, wink starting. When it comes to Green Bay, um, I think Christian Watson's a decent wide receiver too. Alan Lazard's a high floor flex guy. Um, the running backs, like I would rather play Aaron Jones and would rather not play AJ Dillon, but you do whatever you want. Like if you want to stick a steak knife into your eye, you you can do it, but I don't recommend it. It's not healthy. Um, and let that be clear for those of you out there that I said, do not attempt that. So if you say, well, the podcast told me to do it, I'm also going to replay it and say explicitly, I said, do not do that, Kelton. Do not. Do not. <laughs> but it's, it's a full weekend. I mean, we got Saturday games because there's no bye weeks left. Um, it's going to be football constantly. I remember last year or a couple of years ago, whenever 
my wife and I went on an anniversary trip to Hot Springs for the first time. Lovely place. Pancake shop. Free advertising. You're welcome. It's amazing. Go try it. You'll never eat another pancake the same. Okay. Um, okay. Writing that down. I, I remember, I mean, it was like a Saturday afternoon. Walked in to see Philip Rivers and uh, Michael Pittman tearing up against uh, the Buffalo Bills. It was a good time. It's a great time of year. I know that was wild card weekend, but still, like, it, it tis the freaking season, baby. Right. By the way, Jacob, right here, put the quiet Christmas mu- music. Mm, banger, banger. Yeah, Christmas. Get it, get it, <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and um, not to mention you have bowl games, so you can get some of it starting on Friday, so you can get some of your NFL draft prospects. Ooh, I was about to say, who is one prospect you're about to start digging on because it's the offseason? We got a couple. Ooh. We got a minute here. I mean, Jay, talking... Flow- Jay Flowers, because I did not see Jay who Flowers. that That was not who I was seeing. I I was looking more so at the, uh, oh, shoot, the guy out of uh, Wake Forest. Oh, A.T. Perry. Yeah, I was going to look at him, too, go back, watch some Sam Hartman games, because you and I, we both have a soft spot for Sam Hartman. That, huh? that dude is amazing. Uh, yes, like I, I'm, a couple of players I'm going to delve into is I'm going to watch some 2022 or 2021 film of Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson's another guy, another receiver at Iowa State. I'm going to fully delve into because I think he has a chance to be the low key gem from this wide receiver class. Um, While you're watching Cedric Tillman, please let me know your analysis on the guy that's pulling the trigger. I know I've been <laughs> pumping pumping the gas for him, but you know what I'm talking about. I, I can do that for Hendon. And then a guy that I'm going to have to delve back into because for some god-awful reason, everyone's falling in love with the running back from A&M, a Devin, like a Kane or a Chain or a Shane. I don't know how to say A-Train, as they called him. When I yeah, went to the I, I A&M care. Arkansas game, they were there was chance of A-Train. I was like, who's A-Train? I mean, you listen, mean chain? he's 5'9", 180 pounds, 190 pounds. He's going to be a scat back at best. Here he is, the second ranked running back on some people's scales. Okay, we got to close it out now. I, I could stand on this garbage train for a long time. See y'all later. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see everyone back here for episode 62 and week 15 breakdown. Find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF and our Gmail at the.misfit at gmail.com. The.misfit at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com. Oh my God. I'm leaving that in there to shame myself, but it's fine. We did it. Boom. I think so. All right. Bye guys. See see y'all later.